0: This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter.
1: This is Tiny at Obsessive
0: Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to the Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show. Each episode, you can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer dot com. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. You can also find our live event at in Indianapolis every year at shocktoberinirvington.com. dot uh, com. We do that every October. You can check the feed for our live uh, episodes regarding it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there was one other thing I was, oh, and also follow us on Letterboxd at, uh, Obsessive Viewer, Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. Uh, Letterboxd, of course, is a really great, uh, kind of social network for film lovers. Uh, you can track the movies you watch, you can write reviews, post, art, uh, post, post reviews and ratings and everything, and interact with people, comment on reviews. It's a really robust and fulfilling for film geeks uh website um and that's actually also kind of the theme of this episode is Letterboxed. we're doing another letterbox popery uh tiny how's it going
1: good good i, How are I are forgot you?
0: to say hi like you usually do so yeah um uh, we just I heard noticed sounds yeah <laughs> um how's it going pretty good good pretty good, good yeah. i feel like it's been a while since we recorded
1: yeah it feels like it yeah had a couple weeks
2: off
0: yeah I, uh, yeah, we tried to get a, we tried to get an episode recorded, um, that in my apologies to the listeners and also specifically to Robert in Utah, who wanted us to review, um, Mandy, uh, he requested that me and Mike review it, um, So the we were gonna do a review of Mandy and the new Halloween, but Tiny, you were on call at work and like you got a call like an hour before we were recording. Yep. And then also Mike I mean, he has two kids. (laughs) He was he wasn't feeling well anyway and like I was just like, Hey, if you wanna just record some other time it's fine. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I had like eighteen hours of overtime that week. So it's (laughs) a busy week. Wow.
0: And for all of our listeners who may have had 18 hours of overtime, go to obsessiveviewer.com slash donate, <laughs> uh, where you can be a Patreon subscriber or donate via PayPal, or go to tpublic.com and buy some of our merch. Um, so yeah, so Tiny, we're going to do letterbox Potpourri, which do you want to explain how that works before we get into our new segment and then the uh, letterbox Potpourri?
1: Sure. Uh, well, Letterbox is the app and software we use to track our movies. Mm-hmm. And so Letterboxd Potpourri is where we, uh, you know, bring up anything we've been watching lately, uh, that we logged on our Letterbox accounts.
0: Yep. Oh yeah. And we take turns basically asking each other what, uh, about a title, right? we're doing that right oh that's what we're doing yeah is, oh. that, is that do you want to do it that way
1: i didn't realize we were doing that way
0: oh okay yeah okay. it's been a while since we did a letterbox it potpourri. Is, yeah yeah i was wondering why you had that pulled up and not yeah. my letterbox do, uh, do you want to do you mind doing it that way? that's fine are
1: you, are you sure yeah i I completely okay. forgot that's how we do it yeah oh yeah um, yeah
0: because i think the last letterbox potpourri was just me and mike okay Um, so yeah, so while tiny's bringing up my letterbox, I do have a couple of news items to talk about. Uh, first of all, AMC released a, (laughs) they did a, um, oddly enough that this, this, uh, news segment is both AMC related in a weird roundabout way. So AMC, the movie theater chain sent out an email to all of its A-list subscribers and then the news news kind of ran with it too. Um, basically saying like, uh, kind of giving a progress report on AMC A-list and saying that it's, uh, I think they said like, oh, it's here to stay. So they're sticking (laughs) with it. And they said that they're in the, I think four months, uh, since it, since it came out, uh, they've already gotten 500,000 subscribers. So half a million, which is their project, was their projected membership rate after one year. So having achieved that in four months is a huge step for them. Um, they also announced that all of the features are staying the same uh, for the time being, just kind of giving everyone like an update, like saying that, you know, it's, there's not going to be any changes. They are going to be increasing the price in certain markets. So there's like, uh, I think like ten states that they're raising the price, like a few bucks. So instead of nineteen ninety five it's gonna be like twenty one ninety-five. Huh. Um Indianapolis is not one of those markets. It's like Chicago, New York, so like bigger cities like that, I think. Um are the, is that mine? hmm Okay. Have I re- Oh the November. Yeah. Duh. I was like have I really because I'm still in October uh in my mind. But um so yeah, so that's all good, but the thing I want to point out is in the email, I'm going to read a couple excerpts from it because it seems like they, as the kids on the internet say these days, they were, uh, quote-unquote, throwing shade at <laughs> MoviePass. Um, an excerpt from the email is, With other subscription services facing severe operational and financial headwinds, <laughs> some had incorrectly speculated that the valuable benefits to you of A-List might not endure uh to the contrary we believe that a list is a runaway success for a m c and you'll be likely you'll likely be pleased to learn that a m c Stubbs a list is here to stay um which is great like that's awesome um <laughs> and uh they continue to do that um <laughs> let me find where it actually says that uh without saying looking heavy condition okay <laughs> Uh, looking ahead, we continue to believe that you are entitled to know what you can expect from us with reliability and predictability. Accordingly, we intend to run a list with transparency and clarity. To that end, we will fully honor our initial 12-month guarantee uh, guarantee protecting you against any increases in uh, pricing or reductions in benefits and that same blah, blah, blah. Um, basically saying that they're never going to suddenly increase like prices or anything without like three months worth of like, like, you know, notice kind of just mm-hmm. saying, cause movie pass was doing that like on a daily basis, they were changing right. like, their, their service. Um, but yeah, but it's interesting cause the 12 month guarantee is that when you sign up, like the price that you sign up at is guaranteed for the first 12 months. And it's important to note that that's not like, 12 months from the start of a list. It's like 12 months from the start of your subscription. Mm -hmm. So tiny, if you were to sign up for a list right now, you would be guaranteed the 1995 price each month from now until November of 2019. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, it's a nice feature. yeah, Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, so that's that piece of news. And then, um, we won't really talk that much about it because honestly, I haven't really read that much about it, although there's not really much to read about it. But, uh, speaking of AMC, I, I don't think there, are they two different companies? AMC, the TV? St- I think TV so. Studio? I think so too in the theater, but, um, even, even then AMC is not really connected to this per se, but, um, news broke a couple days ago, which is, this is episode's going to go up next week. So it's going to be kind of a little bit outdated, but, um, there is a Breaking Bad movie in the works, mm-hmm. um, and the reason I say that AMC won't likely be involved is because uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul are uh, Sony Sony Television products that they air on AMC because that's just the distributor, right? Um, so, oh, there's another piece of news that I could ask you about, but anyway, um, also regarding AMC. But anyway, this movie, this Breaking Bad movie, it's it's interesting. Like I. I mean, I haven't really watched, rewatched Breaking Bad for a couple of years now, but apparently the, the movie is an idea that Vince Gilligan has that is set after Breaking Bad and, uh, involves the character of Jesse, played by Aaron Paul, who would return for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, it's, it's confirmed,
1: it. right? Like it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Like it's oh, not, yeah, okay.
0: Which, if, Tiny, how do you feel about it? What What, what are your thoughts? Um, and have you watched any of Better Call Saul?
1: Have not watched Better Call Saul, and uh, even when it comes to Breaking Bad, I haven't. I have only seen each episode of that show once.
0: Oh, interesting! I've
1: never rewatched that show. Hmm. Um, but uh, funnily enough, my brother he works for a plastic recycling company, mm-hmm. um, and they get a lot of dvds blu-rays cds video games oh where they recycle the plastic because they're made entirely out of plastic right right? the packaging and everything Mm -hmm. and so occasionally he gets he will like see something interesting and he'll like grab it and just give it to me
0: i was wondering like because that's pretty awesome
1: um and he got me the oil barrel
0: are you serious for
1: free i mean it's free
0: that's uh, yeah. who would throw that away.
1: Well, it's it's like I don't know. It's it's I don't understand how it works. But mm. like you know, if they like overproduce a certain number of that's interesting. Like it's not it's not actually thrown away. Like my brother's company actually purchases it. Okay. Um. And and it's just, funny you mentioned. You just mentioned Sony. Sony mm. has a giant plant out in Terre Haute, Indiana. Oh, really? Where they make DVDs, Blu-rays, and stuff. And it's one of the big customers that my brother's company purchases. Like, I don't know if stuff they just overproduce or mm. like if they like screw up on one of their productions, it's yeah. like they'll use it as scrap or whatever. Mm. So they actually buy it from them. It's not like they just completely throw it away, wow. but
0: they, um, they accidentally mass produce a, a collection of Breaking Bad Blu-rays that has just a drawing of a dick on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but he got me. Um, He got me a. Bunch of Ken Burns DVDs. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, some other stuff like that. But, uh, yes, I got the oil, the oil barrel one. That's
0: awesome. For our listeners, the oil barrel that he's referring to (laughs) is, uh, it's this limited edition Blu-ray set that I, I bought when the series ended. Um, it's a collection of all the, all the seasons on Blu-ray and it's in the shape of a, the packaging is in the shape of a of an oil barrel, yeah. which has significance to the plot of the show.
1: Right. But as far as my enthusiasm for this new project, I mean okay, right. let's 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 go. I mean mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not overly excited for it. I think it's I think it's just because that finale and the conclusion to the show was so conclusive. Yeah. And satisfyingly conclusive. Mm-hmm. Fantastic finale, so I don't feel the need to revisit it at mm-hmm. all. But uh, anytime Aaron Paul is reading Vince Gilligan's words, mm-hmm. I will be there
0: totally. So, and I'm kind of the same way. Like I, that to your point, I, that's the reason why I haven't really watched any of Better Call Saul because I, I watched the first season. I wasn't really crazy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the reasons is that you know Breaking Bad as a standalone entity is such a conclusive story and encompasses so much character and so much depth that like to expand upon that i just i don't really feel like there's a need to like i'm not i don't leave breaking bad thinking like oh i want to see more of this world and everything right, it's like right. no the story told in breaking bad is so well-rounded that it's like i'm 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 satiated is that the right pronunciation?
1: yeah totally yeah. Yeah, satiated.
0: um yeah so but as far as breaking bad the movie um I'm curious about it because uh, I'm kind of back and forth because somewhat spoilers for Breaking Bad, um, the ending for that particular character is fairly, it's left open-ended and ambiguous. And I kind of like the idea of letting that reside in our imaginations yeah. rather than expanding it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the only kind of, hesitance that i have toward this Mm -hmm. but um but yeah i like you said it's i mean it's vince gilligan it doesn't it doesn't feel like a cash grab because Mm. you know it's just it feels like a writer who has an idea Mm -hmm. and they're gonna go with it so yeah yeah speaking of amc movies and cash grabs (laughs) <laughs> uh The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. Did you have you heard about this? Have you seen this?
1: Uh no, I don't think so.
0: Oh, okay. Did you did you watch the most recent episode? I know you've No, still I'm up.
1: probably two behind. Okay. Maybe three. Oh, interesting. Yeah.
0: So maybe I shouldn't bring this up then. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I won't. Okay. Ah, oh, that was a really good segue though.
2: Sorry.
1: Oh, that's fine.
0: Oh, I'll I'll do it in a non spoiler way for you. Okay. Um so yeah, so speaking of AMC, blah blah blah. Um I'm not gonna cut that. Um <laughs> the this is the f- kind of weird thing for me. So Breaking Bad is or Breaking Bad, The Walking Dead is in their ninth season, and uh <laughs> I just thought of something I'll say in a second, but um in their ninth season, and like they redid so like the showrunner was the showrunner last season, Scott Gimple was was promoted to executive of something like content executive franchising, something like that, um, where he's overseeing the entire walking dead brand. Um, and then like, this is the weird thing to me is that they are AMC and the people, the producers of the walking dead are so adamant that they can go on forever with the walking dead. Mm -hmm. And, the news came out that they are planning on making three movies, like TV movies for AMC.
1: Oh, I think I did read about this briefly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, that would expand the universe a little bit and like, they're super excited about it and everything. I like the idea of it because of circumstances. Um, I mean, I haven't followed, I haven't watched the walking dead in like three seasons and Mm. I just check in every now and then. But, um, I kind of posed this on Twitter that I don't understand how like I don't understand, or I don't know how the walking dead brand has, I don't know if the walking dead brand has the fan base, the a dedicated enough fan base to facilitate an expanded like universe franchise with movies and multiple TV shows Um, saying this out loud just makes me really wish the Dark Tower had succeeded. But anyway. (laughs) Um, I don't know if the fan base, because from what I've heard, like the ratings are low, uh, relative to past years and past seasons. Um, and like it's not as culturally relevant to me. Like I'm not seeing it on Facebook every day. Right. Um, it doesn't seem like it's part of the conversation around film and TV. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, Alex from the Midwest Podcast Network actually tweeted me and said in response to that and said that the actual ratings are. He said, uh, which you can follow him at John D one seven zero three. That's J O N 1703. Uh, he said, I can't stand the walking dead, but just FYI, according to ratings data on Wikipedia, the walking dead season nine, episode four had 5.1 million us viewers while better, while better call Saul season four, episode 10 had 1.5 million. So even though walking dead's numbers are down, it could still, it could still be the most viewed show on basic cable. Hmm. So maybe they do have it, but how do you feel about the expansion of the walking dead brand? Um,
1: I have even less enthusiasm than expanding the breaking bad uh, oh, yeah. franchise. Um, yeah, I, I, incidentally enough, I think it could be what the franchise needs, mm-hmm. uh, to, to like re-energize it. Sure. I think the movies could be successful. Um, but I don't know that they will be a step in the right direction as far as like story and mm-hmm. like the progression of the plot yeah. of, of the walking dead universe. Um, I've lost, I've lost most of my enthusiasm for that show in general. Mm-hmm. I keep watching it cause I've been watching it for eight years right? and I don't feel like abandoning all of the, characters and storylines and whatnot, but, mm. uh, so you mentioned earlier that AMC is adamant that the show will just continue to go on.
0: Right. They they've said that the producers behind the show have said that they have plans for like to 10 more years of walking dead stuff.
1: I did not know that <laughs> yeah. until this moment. Uh, that is a horrible idea mm-hmm. and I don't think that's going to work. Mm-hmm. I could see them getting canceled uh, if they try to do that, right. um, just because fatigue and, and yeah. uh, stories have to end. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, that's the kind of interesting thing. Cause the, the walking dead comic was originally conceived and I believe it's, it's, yeah, it's still running, but like it was conceived by Robert Kirkman as being a, a zombie movie that never ends. Mm-hmm. Like that's by design. That's what it is. And I, I can kind of appreciate the show doing that, but also that's a different, I feel like the television medium is a different medium that right. it need there you need that closure. Right.
1: Nothing linear no linear story just keeps going on television. Mm. That doesn't really and soap operas don't count. Right. Um, or the Truman Show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's you know it,
0: even that had an ending.
1: Right. It just doesn't it doesn't make sense to try to do that. I think it's 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 not realistic. Mm. Um. I mean it's bold and they're ballsy for trying that. But yeah, I don't think that's going to work. Um. I'll I'll watch the movies. Mm. Um. And, and to d- be
0: clear, they're TV movies, so they're not gonna right, be theatrical.
1: Right. Movies. And didn't they say that at least one of them is going to feature Rick Grimes? All three. All the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's an even worse idea. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I. just... That's the
0: thing. And that's what I was kind of dancing around because he had his final episode of the walking dead TV show. Right. Um, and so the idea is that the movies are going to kind of be Rick Grimes centric. Okay. Um, and I like, I like the idea of that because I respect, I respect Andrew Lincoln as, as an actor. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this in like years ago on the podcast about how like I think at one point I noticed that he has had no other acting credits. Uh, outside right. of Walking Dead. And you had pointed out, I don't know why I remember this specific part of an episode of the podcast <laughs> that we do, but you had pointed out that he was on Nerdist and talking about how he doesn't, do, like, he's, he's a family guy. Uh, he's <laughs> of the Simpsons and, <laughs> um, he can't just go flintstoning off and doing <laughs> stuff with, I'm sorry. Anyway, he's a family man who, uh, who, like, when he's not working, he spends time with his family. Yeah. And so I like the idea. Uh, like (laughs) it feels like a good HR move or PR move even, but like, it feels like, it feels like this is a company that is letting their employee go part time (laughs) so they can spend more time with their family. Um, so like as an admirer of Andrew Lincoln's like work at like him, him as a, as a person, um, I like the idea that, you know, this guy who, you know, has has a family that is in another country while well, he works in the States right. nine months out of the year, he's going to have the opportunity to work for three months or two or three months out of the year and then spend more, more of his time with his family. So I, right. I like that, but yeah. but yeah. So
1: and that's the other part of that show uh, is that, you know, it's only 12 or 13 episodes, but I th- you know, each one of those episodes takes like two weeks to shoot. And yep. so like you just said, the, the production for a season is like seven to nine months. I mm-hmm. mean, that's a lot. That's right. it's huge. And you know, a lot, of, a lot of these actors have like purchased homes mm-hmm. in the Atlanta area and like <laughs> yeah. they live there now. I mean, it's, and like, that's where they are like seven to nine months out of the year. And so it's, it, that's a huge commitment. Yeah. So did
0: you, did we talk about the, uh, the, uh, Chandler Chandler Riggs, is that his name?
1: Yeah. The kid, <laughs> no, Carl Carl oh, yeah.
0: Coral, uh, he bought a house. There. He did? <laughs> yeah. Like he bought a house in like Atlanta after the producers told him like, yeah, we have we have ideas and everything like we're, you know, because he like turned like 18 or something. Okay. And then he's like, we're uh, like, he was told by the show that he was going to be in it for the long haul and everything and uh spoiler alert he's not in the show anymore no not so much <laughs> and like his his father like had some choice words like he was he spoke out about it saying like you know they told him that he was going to be working for a long time there and then he just bought this house jeez you know and it's not like it's not like they film it in la right so, right.
1: Like, it's just it's he has no reason to stay there right yeah I have been watching the show. I think I've watched three episodes mm-hmm. and it's it's okay i mean there's like there's stuff to like about it i mean mm-hmm. it it's interesting how they're trying to uh, there's kind of a there's kind of a fresh start without spoiling what's going on right um and it's been interesting to see the inner workings slash kind of politics of the direction they've taken the show mm-hmm. um that's been semi interesting but it's still just it's still just really thin the show mm-hmm. is just wearing thin yeah and has been for a few seasons, and it's not it's not really getting better
0: yeah that's what i've that's what I've
1: heard is uh Lauren Cohan leaving as well she is I, uh,
0: so. I think she's gonna be in like a couple more episodes than, okay. than Andrew Lincoln so she's been good this season, yeah I've liked nice. her but uh anyways hmm. yeah. um yeah so that that's the news about Walking Dead. You can find links to all this in the show notes of this episode by the way. So we're going to finally get to our letterbox bouquet. <laughs> um but before we do that, I want to announce that we're doing a contest um for people. So I referenced it on the last episode. But uh basically if you're on Letterboxed and you're listening to this episode um and you want to be uh in the running for a free pro membership to Letterboxd, which gives you stats to all, like, if you keep a diary on Letterboxd, it will show you your stats, uh, for the year and for all time. And it breaks it down by, like, top actors, top, top directors, uh, genres, week by week analysis of the movies you watch, the total runtime of movies you watch in a given time period. Like, it's really robust and interesting. But if you want a free pro membership, or if you have a pro membership and want a free six-month extension of that pro membership, what you will have to do is go ahead and uh, either email us or tweet us or Facebook us um, your, a link to one of your reviews that you've written on Letterboxd, and we'll pick our favorite one and... Will we'll facilitate you getting a free pro membership or extension on your pro membership. Um we're kind of partnering with Letterbox to, to do this, so we're super excited about it. And yeah, so please, please, please send those to us so we don't look like you know we don't look foolish in front of Letterboxd. Yes, please do and yeah, please, please
1: use Letterboxd. Yes, that we're not, too. We're not getting anything from that. Like no. we just genuinely love that product.
0: Exactly. And you
1: use it all the time.
0: Absolutely, yes. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seriously, it is. It has made what we do at the Obsessive Viewer so so much easier
1: and fun. Like it's and just, fun. it's a it's oh, a fun yeah. tool to just browse around and stuff like that.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Matt especially is a huge list maker. Yes, I am, and this is a huge enabler of that. It really for you, really. Is. I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, also, just real quick, uh, to go back to our Breaking Bad movie, um, uh, news item, and then I promise we'll get to our letterbox potpourri. Uh, just in from Mike, our recurring co-host, one of our <laughs> recurring co-hosts, um, he, <laughs> uh, his response to the news of the Breaking Bad movie is awesome necessary. <laughs> <laughs> and he put a little TM next to it, so. Yeah, that's funny. Okay, so let's get into our Letterboxd Potpourri, Tiny, finally. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're going to pick like probably three or four movies that each of us have seen, and we're going to ask each other what our opinions are of the movies that we've seen on Letterboxd and logged recently on Letterboxd. Once again, you can follow me at obsessiveviewer uh, at letterboxd.com slash obsessiveviewer. Follow Tiny at... Uh, letterbox.com slash obsessive tiny and tiny. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'm
1: dying to start and ask you about one of yours.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, go
1: right ahead. Why, why oh, why did you watch the movie Changing Lanes from 2002? (laughs) okay I, that movie sucks like that that's a that's a terrible movie it
0: really really does and i'm so yeah. i'm glad that you brought that up so uh like you'll notice i didn't bother writing a review of it on Letterboxd. yeah i think i rated it what two stars
1: one you give one. one star One star
0: which is right um, that's correct yeah so it's a 2002 2002 yeah a uh, movie with uh samuel L. jackson and ben affleck as two men that are uh in a fender bender one day just by by random chance and then that escalates into a game of um each of them trying to destroy the other's lives right and so okay so i watched this movie why did i watch this movie um i noticed it on like amazon prime i think it was on like the cinemax or um what's the other one that i subscribe to uh, Cinemax or Stars add-on subscription on Amazon Prime. And the reason that I watched it was I was bored, <laughs> and I think I was doing... So- oh, that's what I was doing. I was redoing the website. <laughs> okay. I was doing all that stuff, and I was like, I'm going to throw something on in the background. And uh, I didn't really feel like watching something that I was really that familiar with. Gotcha. And so I kind of threw that on. And one of the reasons behind it is that... um I, okay. So back in high school, um, I worked at Blockbuster Video. Um, for you kids out there, Blockbuster Video was <laughs> like Netflix the store, um, <laughs> where you had to actually buy physical or rent physical copies of movies. Oh man. Um, and, uh, I, I worked there for like eight months in, in my senior year of high school. And as part of the perks of that, I got like a ridiculous discount on like previously viewed DVDs. Mm -hmm. It's funny because, well, we have to, man, me, you and Mike have got to have an episode about like our relationship with physical media and stuff and like the different types of media. But anyway, we've talked about that for years at this point. But, Mm -hmm. um, so basically I would get like, uh, I like a ridiculous discount on previously viewed DVDs. So I would buy a whole bunch Mm -hmm. and, uh, (laughs) Was I like I kind of I was not selective with my purchases, (laughs) and so like Changing Lanes was one of those ones that I bought and then just never watched. Okay, um, and I kind of had it in my head that like there are certain movies, like nowadays, when we're browsing Netflix or our preferred streaming service website and everything, uh, we're just kind of scrolling through cover art and everything, and there are certain movies that fall under that changing lanes kind of, kind of category for me where these are movies that I bought, like I blind bought or saw like the cover art for at blockbuster so frequently that they, it kind of stuck with me. Mm -hmm. So like, it's this weird thing and this might just be more just me diving into my own like weird, uh, (laughs) my weird, uh, mental state. But like, I f- it's almost like a form of imposter syndrome a little bit because like having like been familiar with the cover art for so many movies, like and knowing enough about them based on that and like the, like the stuff I read about and everything, it feels like part of me is like, I kind of know this movie, but I don't know the movie. Like yeah. the Changing Lanes cover art, I saw like every day at work or I, like I bought it with the intention of watching it because it was cheap, but I never did. Yet I know this movie because I know like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I know the plot elements of it because I made that decision to buy it because the plot sounded interesting, but I never watched it. So I don't actually know the movie. Does that make any sense? I ask as you're taking a drink.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, I know what you mean.
0: <laughs> okay. So I kind of thought for a second. I thought like this would be a good list on Letterboxd <laughs> 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 movies that I just know the cover art to. Right. Um, but like I watched Changing Lanes because it's like you know what it's it's one of those movies that I know but I don't know, so might as well know it. And yeah, I guess wow. I'm better off now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not good.
1: It's not good at all. I think uh, yeah. I once described it as. Someone wrote this movie after they bumped into Malcolm Gladwell at a bar and he was drunk (laughs) and just rambling off shitty ideas Mm -hmm. for books. And someone was like, I'm (laughs) going to turn this into a movie.
0: Yeah. It's uh, like, it's the big problem with it is that like, okay, as I said, it's about these two men who are uh, by fate, not, not really by fate, but just by circumstance. They bump into each other. They're both in a hurry to get to a certain place. Like Samuel L. Jackson is going to court so he can try to win his kids back or win custody of his kids. Uh, Ben Affleck is, is on his way to, um, also to court, I think, um, for an important meeting that he has paperwork that he has to give to, to the, uh, the court and he's like trying to make partner at his law firm that his Mm -hmm. father-in-law is like the, uh, head of or whatever. But like by circumstance, they don't have time to exchange numbers or anything. But (laughs) anyway, they, they end up trying to, you know, one up each other in terms of destroying the other's lives. Yeah. Um, and the big problem with the movie is that it is, I don't know if it was rated R. Can you pull that up real quick? Mm. Um, because I want to say it was PG-13 because it feels like a PG-13 thriller. Um, it is, it, I mean, it is that it is a, an early two thousands, um, you know, PG-13 or maybe soft R rating, uh, thriller with big name actors and a weak script. Cause it's just, it, it's contingent on the star power of the, of the two leads and, and the actual, uh, um plot doesn't really make much sense like there's like there's a scene and i love this in in movies um because it kind of really dates the movie um which also this is like came out in 2002 you would think that this wouldn't be as big an issue then but like there's a scene where uh basically samuel jackson has gotten um a loan for to buy a house um so, so he can, you know, have like, he bought a house for his estranged ex-wife or his estranged wife, uh, so that their kids can live there with him, um, with her. So Ben Affleck, uh, meets with this hacker who, uh, does like some computer typing and then has, uh, Samuel L. Jackson like bankrupt, um, just from a (laughs) few keystrokes. um, and then Ben Affleck has to go to the bank to kind of straighten, uh, try to straighten it out for him as he has a change of heart. But anyway, it's not a good movie. One star. I feel like it's not like a deplorable movie, but it's. Yeah. Uh, if I didn't know the cover art, I wouldn't know the movie, <laughs> even after seeing it. So right, yeah. yeah. And this
1: was like 2002 was like peak Affleck time. Yeah. And like Hollywood was, like really trying to make Ben like happen, right? Um, and he was doing a lot of mediocre shit like this. He really was. So, thankfully, he's found his stride, I think. Mm-hmm. But
0: uh, yeah, as uh, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I was just curious why you yeah. why you even watched that. <laughs> yeah.
0: You saw, did you see it when
1: I saw it like when it came out, and I yeah. was even as like 15 year old, I was like, this is pretty
0: fucking dumb, right? Uh, you were, I remember, I remember kind of, I don't know if I'd say admire, admiring of you, <laughs> but like as, like when we were growing up, I guess, when we were teenagers, I remember like you used to watch, or I mean, I'm sure you still do, but you would watch things. Like, you would get stuff at Blockbuster just strictly because, just like, oh, it looks kind of cool. Like, it, like, for me, like, my mental state, like, my, (laughs) my weird neuroses and everything is like, I have to research, like, okay, is this the best option for what I, for what I want to (laughs) rent? But like, you would be like, oh, I rented this movie about, uh, a documentary about water. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just rented this because it's so cool. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, you didn't like make a spreadsheet or anything? <laughs>
1: um, well, spoiler alert, a lot of the time it doesn't work out. Right? <laughs> you get movies like Changing Lanes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh so. god. Well, let's change lanes so I can ask you about a movie that you've seen. Let's. Yes. Um I was thinking about doing kind of a deep cut from your Letterbox, but oh. Uh I may still I may still, but the one that kind of immediately jumps out to me is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. I watched that. And how, first of all, reiterate how you felt about the first Jurassic World and then go into. That uh,
1: I, I feel like the best way to wrap it up to talk about Jurassic World is that it had, uh, it, it, it was an exciting dinosaur filled movie with, you know, fun Chris Pratt being Chris Pratt, but it it just mm-hmm. lacked a lot of the heart of the original. Yeah. I'd say the original movie and the sequel, uh, which I I think, uh, um, the second Jurassic Park movie is pretty good too. I mm-hmm. people tend to shit the on Lost it. World, the Lost World. Yeah, people yeah. tend to shit on it, but I think it's a pretty good movie. Um, mm-hmm. so it, it it was just lacking some kind of heart. It just wasn't there. The majesty wasn't there anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like you know, like the Indominus Rex kind of was just like. There's no inspiration behind it. it's just it's like too corporation evilly like mm-hmm. the what, what was beautiful about the original Jurassic Park is that it was kind of a gray area yeah it's like was this a good idea or wasn't it you know you have Dr. Malcolm with his whole chaos theory and all that crap and and then you have the you know uh you have what was his name I don't even remember um, uh, Or, um, Richard Attenborough.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, oh my god. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I can't think of his name. Um, which is terrible. Wow. Spend no expense.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, wow. Oh, Richard Hammond. Richard Hammond.
1: Thank you. Um, who's just, he's just, you know, enthralled with the prospect of seeing dinosaurs again. You know, it's the, 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 um, uh, the power of that, I guess. Um, anyways. Uh, I feel like Jurassic world was lacking that, and it's just it was just all about like how how dinosaur can we get <laughs> and they they went full dinosaur in that movie um but it was i don't i don't think it was awful i don't think it was awful uh fallen kingdom was mm. pretty much awful interesting um well i i still had a a pretty pretty decent amount of fun with it
0: um because you rated it three stars i did give it three stars didn't it but which we should probably sorry we should probably like do you have like do you have like an idea for your rating system like not necessarily um
1: i don't know i kind of think about like i sit there and think of a movie and i go okay Here's what five stars should be. It didn't have this, or this is enough to take away a star, this is enough to take away a half star, this, mm-hmm. you know, this and that. And then I kind of try to decide on it then, I don't know if that's, makes sense. Um, no, it does. I start, every movie starts out with the five stars. Mm-hmm. And then it just kinda, I just kind of, I kind of knock it down based on, based on what I see kind of, I don't know. Interesting. It's there's no there's no science behind it or anything. Right. It's it's not it's not solid. Um, but the biggest thing that the I I didn't think that this franchise could lose even more heart, mm-hmm. but it really did. I mean this this was just like in, like the promotion for the movie was all about how it's it's about this movie is going to be about the quest to save the dinosaurs from the island going off or whatever. Mm -hmm. And spoiler alert, that's like the first 20 minutes of the movie. And then it's the plot takes a whole left turn. Um, and it tries to like shoehorn in this character from way before the first movie. And it's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like I've never heard of this guy. And it's, uh, what's his name? James Cromwell. Cromwell. Well, he's a great actor and I like him and everything, but, he's really drastically underused in this movie. And, and I don't know, just, just the progression of the progression of the movie. It just makes these huge leaps really quickly. And it's like, it's like, Oh wow. They're on the coast of California now. And they were Mm -hmm. just on the Island 20 minutes ago. Or, and it's, it's like, there's all these dinosaurs in the basement of this house. Like what the fuck is going on here? It's, it's just so weird. It's almost like, it's almost like, um, it's almost like the fifth or sixth entry in like a shitty horror franchise. Like <laughs> I um didn't see that, yeah. yeah, it's like they're just really like swinging for the fences here and they're mm-hmm. not making contact with the ball. Um that's really what it just felt like to me. Um and there's this whole cloning thing in there that just I was like, "Oh, they did that." <laughs> uh, and it just was it again, it just didn't have any heart. It just mm-hmm. it, I was like I wasn't emotionally attached to that and it it's like you, you you just just introduced this character who's supposed to be hugely significant, and that didn't happen. That didn't work on me at all. Mm-hmm. And now you want me to feel emotional towards his daughter, and it's just right. Like, I, I I don't feel that at all. This is completely empty to me. Yeah. Um. And that that that's just what most of the movie was. A lot of emptiness. Um. And 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 again, trying to recycle a lot of ideas. I think. Mm-hmm. And man, it just it just didn't really work that well. Um. But again, I I, I still just kind of had fun with it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it's it, they need to stop. Yeah, I think they need to <laughs> yeah. stop. Or 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 go super simple mm-hmm. with good characters and just like stick to a story. Like let's let's go somewhere and stay there and sit in the story for a second. Don't just mm-hmm. jump all over the place. And right. it's like you know let's let's wait a couple years here and let's let's really either just just move on or try to simplify this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah. We uh Fekas and I reviewed the movie on OV two forty one, mm-hmm. which you can find at obsessive viewer.com slash OV two four one. Okay. Um and I can't remember if I mentioned this on it when I when I talked to him about it, but something that struck me afterwards, I think I heard it talked about in a couple other podcasts, but um the the motivation of Bryce Dallas Howard's character um in this movie just <clears throat> I wouldn't go so far as to say contradicts the first movie but it is a sharp sharp left turn from it because it's like it's weird that she something I can't really reconcile in my brain is that it's kind of weird that she is so adamant like she's now this conservationist that wants to save the dinosaurs (laughs) and everything it's like these same dinosaurs like ate probably hundreds of people (laughs) that like you should be like
1: She's semi-culpable
0: for Exactly. Yeah. You you should be, like, I don't know how she's okay with, like, yeah. you would think that, like, she would have as much, you know, she should be having, like, a tra- traumatic, like, experience, like, reconciling her role in, yeah. in the death of, like, so many people. Right. um But plus, no, she wants to save the dinosaurs.
1: Yeah. And plus, in the first movie, she was such a soulless corporate cog. Yeah. And then she makes a little bit of a turn in the movie, but she's mm-hmm. still, you know, she, she's still a very, very much like a, an alpha type CEO mm-hmm. type person. And she goes to this, like, like you said, a huge, a huge right turn where she's like mm-hmm. this, she's like this hippie dippy activist type. Right. And it's like, what? That does not make sense yeah. for her character. I, it, it was just, it was a huge jump. Mm-hmm. And like, I love Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh yeah. Um, and, and everything, but I, I, man, she, she probably read the script and was like, guys, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. I I can only imagine anyways. (laughs) It makes a lot of sense for Chris Pratt's character. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it it was just pretty, pretty messy. Um, a good way to spend $250 million. Uh,
0: I don't know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of reading through my review on Letterboxd. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, here's an excerpt from it. Uh, Owen and Claire have no identifiable character arcs in the movie, <laughs> despite dialogue existing in the movie to half-ass set up character development that ultimately goes nowhere. Yeah. Like they, I mean, Chris Pratt, like Owen and blue kind of have their thing, but, and also blue is like. There's a scene where, there's a scene where a freaking Velociraptor, Raptor does like an action hero, like escape from an exploding room. That's like, how does, how does this animal know that the build, that the room is about to explode? Yeah, (laughs) no kidding. Um, yeah. And I talked about this with Fecus in OV241, but I did think that, uh, Owen's, relationship with blue resonated with me as a pet owner <laughs> and uh coming out of the movie i was like yeah pizza would totally save me totes um from evil dinosaurs
1: yeah uh i mean th- there are there were some good things about the movie too mm-hmm. i don't want to completely shit all over it yeah. but one of the things i wanted to point out was the uh the new dinosaur they created
0: the Indoraptor, the Indoraptor, which, i
1: couldn't even remember what it was called
0: and i'm this is i i mentioned this in the episode but uh <laughs> Uh, I think I mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, it's more like indoor Raptor. <laughs> nice. Cause they're in the house. It's
1: right. Like, yeah. Um, I thought it was pretty scary actually. Interesting. Um, there's some parts where it's like kind of stalking people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh man, that was, especially there's a, I think it's in the trailer. There's a scene where like this little girl is in, in her bed, mm-hmm. like hiding under the covers, t- traditional kid thing to do. And the, Endoraptor is literally stalking towards her. I was like, That is the scariest thing ever mm-hmm. for a child. Like that was I genuinely felt that that fear and tension uh in that scene. I thought that was actually captured pretty well.
0: I the director, J. A. <clears throat> uh, I'm gonna butcher his name. Hang on real quick. Uh j a j a. Bayona. Mm. Um he I thought did a really great job of uh, showcasing some of the kind of monster elements of it. Yeah, totally. Um, like that whole opening sequence with them recovering the the bones, um, like it's raining, it's dark, it's like they're it's, – it's really, really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, like the first – the opening like five minutes of the movie are just really incredible. Yeah. Uh, but the movie kind of squanders that a little bit. Right,
1: um, what else was I gonna say? Oh, and like the 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 like villain, played by Rafe Spall. Mm-hmm. Uh, his motivations are just like really dumb. It's like yeah. he's he's talking about making like a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm pretty sure the guy you work for is like a multi billionaire. <laughs> so like you're, you're seriously trying to convince him about making like maybe we're gonna make like a hundred million dollars in one night. I'm like the fuck are you talking like are you serious like even if you were like we can make a hundred billion he'd be like i, I have 10 billion dollars right. i don't need a hundred i don't need a hundred billion like it's all it's in the pursuit of money and i was like what the f- are you serious like
0: and it is so the numbers are so ridiculously yeah. low for what they're like Is the whole thing is they're auctioning off these animals right yeah that they are one of a kind yeah created like dinosaurs I think the how does the movie phrase them like "de extinct" or something like that? Or I don't remember. Yeah, they have a word for it, but like these are animals that literally have not existed on the earth in millions and millions and millions of years, mm-hmm. and they're auctioning them off to rich, like, like nefarious people, industrial
1: types, I mean, yeah, and, yeah, for
0: like five to ten million dollars per right. animal. Like, it's it. I I heard this, and I think we talked about it also in in two forty one, but. Uh it just it's the most doctor evil kind of thing.
1: Right, right.
0: Like one million yes, dollars. Yes, exactly.
1: And like they the like they they bring out the Endoraptor as like a prototype. Right. But people start throwing out these giant numbers and they sell it for like eighty million dollars. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like it's just so dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Did did a sixth grader write this part? Right. Guys, it'd be like
0: ten million dollars.
1: Yeah. It was so stupid.
0: Yeah, it was, it, yeah, I, yeah, I'll have to ask you about this off, off mic because, uh, because well, we don't want to get into spoilers, but I feel like the movie, despite its worst qualities, kind of ends in a somewhat interesting manner mm-hmm. that, like, me and Feck has talked about this in, in the review, but I'm against my better judgment, I'm curious how they will make a third one. Right. And what that would entail.
1: Yeah. Um, I do not foresee them quote unquote saving the franchise from uh, in, in a, in a sense of quality. Right. Like I'm sure it's going to make crap ton of money and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And people will consider it successful for that reason. But Mm -hmm. as far as making a good trilogy of films, yeah i'm i'm not confident that one film can save the other two
0: right same here so. it's not going to retroactively make me like the first two right of, the, of this little franchise but um yeah. i will say as a little easter egg um the there's a the closing shot of the movie is overlooking a overlooking like a residential area and i don't think that's too spoilery no not at all, at all. um and it's interesting because that that location that they shot that specific shot in is the same location that the uh that the family in e t reside in oh okay um so I thought that that was a really nice like nod to Spielberg yeah totally yeah, I didn't know that yeah um huh. also there is a post credit scene are you aware of it? I don't
1: think I watched it
0: okay uh yeah, so yeah, that's Jurassic world,
1: yes, so Looking at your list, there's a rating that kind of jumps out at me. Okay. Um, It's your rating for the movie Mid-90s.
0: Oh, yes. I'm
1: curious how that went for you, what you thought of that.
0: Oh, I'm so glad that you brought this up. Okay. Okay. You know what's interesting, first of all, as a preamble to this? 2018 has been an interesting year for directorial debuts from people who don't... Don't direct. Uh, like, celebrity directorial debut. So, we had okay. in, I think, like, July, we had Eighth Grade from Bo Burnham, mm-hmm. which is still one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, and then we also have Mid-90s from Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. And then also, A Star is Born from uh, Bradley Cooper. Right. Uh, which I think me and Kirsten are going to review in a couple weeks. So, okay. So, don't ask me about that one. All right. <laughs> so, um, Mid-90s. It's... Let me read the plot description. Um, my, what was my rating of it as I bring this up?
1: You gave it two and a half stars.
0: I did. Um, I was
1: expecting to see more than that.
0: I, you know, I was too, because this is such a matte movie, like mm-hmm. a coming of age story of, of an insecure or awkward, like, teenager middle school kid like this is this is movie this is the type of movie that resonates to me Mm -hmm. um but the plot description according to imdb is mid-90s follows stevie a 13 year old in 1990s era los angeles who spends his summer navigating between his troubled home life and a group of new friends that he meets at a motor avenue skate shop so i was really excited about it and unfortunately that excitement did not uh the movie wasn't good. <laughs> okay. I really I really I I kind of aggressively, no I don't know if I say aggressively, but I really disliked the movie. Um it is kind of just listless. Um when you have like a uh coming of age story like I the easy comparison is to compare it to 8th grade, which 8th grade I thought was like, revelatory, um, because it depicts this, this vulnerable and, uh, just very vulnerable and insecure kid, and she has a narrative arc throughout the movie. She has, she has her ups and downs, and it's a, it's a very just, Really beautifully told story and beautiful narrative. Uh, mid nineties is kind of the antithesis to this, which Stevie is a insecure 13 year old kid who doesn't have like an identity really, or he's searching for his identity. But the movie so like seems to just actively avoid any kind of conflict or narrative structure. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like this, this just kind of slice of life, like, telling a story of, of this, I guess, summer that the, that, that he had, um, where he became friends with this group of skaters and like, that's fine. I'm okay with that kind of movie that's kind of listless and more about, more about the era that it's depicting or kind of the more broad terms of like friendship or, or like human connection with, like, I, I like that I like that in a narrative where they make the, the central thing instead of character or plot, they make it like the experience of the characters. The problem is that this, it, on one hand, it didn't resonate with me. Not because I've never been like a skateboarder or anything like that, or I'm, I'm just as far removed from that like culture as you can possibly be, mm-hmm. but also just because it just wasn't interesting to me. Like there are, certain characters within the group that are interesting. Like there's one character that gets like, he's kind of insecure because Stevie's kind of honing in on his territory, I guess. Um, but in, in that kind of, that's probably the one character interaction that Stevie has that has like a cohesive, like narrative, like a traditional narrative structure and a traditional like, um, beginning, middle and end, Mm -hmm. uh, like conflict, like right, like rising conflict, all that stuff. Um, but it didn't really resonate with me. Like it, it didn't interest me that much. And then like, there's the kind of like kind of leader of the, of the group who is kind of this sort of mentor to Stevie, who like is a very interesting character. Very, um, uh, like you get some good backstory about him and he seems like a genuinely nice guy, but like, it doesn't really mesh with the rest of the movie. Like it, like, it doesn't – it just didn't resonate with me. Um, and then you have uh, kind of the big – I won't give away anything in spoilers, but the movie, as I said, is kind of just like a slice of life. Like he's – it's his summer with these skater kids and everything. Um, but it kind of comes to a head in a kind of dramatic fashion. And I will say that Jonah Hill's – like the way that he captured this dramatic moment – um it's uh, essentially it's the climax of the movie um it is really like uh he he really uses the visual medium of film in a very interesting way in depicting this kind of surprise or not surprise but like this kind of dramatic moment and I give him all the credit for that because it's it's a really effective way, but at that point, I was just not that interested and also it it's at the climax of the movie it's the it's the big dramatic set piece but there is no like there's no resolution to it like it's it seems like this this moment should have happened like much earlier in the movie and should have been there should have been like fallout from it throughout the rest of the movie but it's like everyone's just fine afterwards it's like hmm. everything it, it's like oh this is just the way life is and it's like that's not it's, it's weird. It's it's weird and doesn't fit. Hmm. Um, and then there's also stuff with, with his home life, Stevie's home life. Like, his mother is kind of a uh, single mother who's working hard to provide for, for him and his brother. His brother is this really just abusive, like, violent older brother who, like, beats the shit out of him. Hmm. And then, like, you think that there's – like, it's in the trailer that one of the skater kids um, – tries to uh like he accidentally bumps into stevie's brother and stevie gets like really nervous and everything and like one of the skater kids is like like they kind of kind of go back and forth and they're like kind of uh threatening each other the skater kid and and uh, stevie's brother played by lucas hedges uh from manchester by the sea and and also i think he's got like two movies out uh this year like he's he's a really good actor but like he's given like dick to work with hmm. Um, and he, like, you think that that is going to be like a narrative thing that's going to follow through the rest of the movie, but it really doesn't. It's just like, kind of just like, there are moments between him and Stevie that, you know, kind of like, are just kind of like vignettes of like moments, but they don't have like a, a narrative through point through it. Like, there's not like an arc where it's like, Oh, Stevie, like, Oh, Stevie's brother learns to respect Stevie or Stevie like realizes that his brother isn't like, uh, uh, an authority figure or anything like that. Or he's like, because Stevie's his own person, like there's nothing that's communicated outright, a like to that effect. It's just like moments with between the two characters and it just, it didn't resonate with me.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. So anyway, that's mid nineties. And it's also worth mentioning that it is filmed in four by three aspect ratio. So it has the bars on the right. Interesting. yeah it's it's interesting um, it kind of helps bring us into that like mid 90s era and everything but as much as I appreciate that style and everything it just the storyline and the narrative just didn't work for me.
1: Okay that's a shame. I had heard yeah. uh, quite a few good things about it so
0: yeah and the kind of thought exercise that I've been doing is like would I have been so averse to mid 90s had eighth grade not come out? Oh, okay because and I mean they're not they're not very similar movies, but I mean they do share like they're they're pretty similar in terms of you know just you know middle school kids coming of age stories, but mm-hmm. like they're told differently there I think there's different um objectives to each movie uh, gotcha. from the filmmakers, but had I not been so blown away by eighth grade, maybe I could have latched onto something or had more emotional connection to mid nineties but that really is just kind of an apology. <laughs> like I, yeah. I don't think that that's the case, but it certainly it could have contributed to it. I guess. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen Eighth Grade yet?
1: No. Oh, dude. Yeah, I tried to talk Paige into it a couple times. But I really. Don't oh, that's see right.
0: It. Yeah, because yeah, it's on my voodoo. Uh, right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, Joel Edgerton, uh, his directorial debut, comes out very soon.
0: Actually, not his directorial debut. That's did Yep, he did the uh, gift in like 2015.
1: Oh, I didn't realize he directed. Yeah, that. I thought that oh,
0: was yeah. his debut. No. Huh. What is What is his new movie though?
1: Uh, it's called Boy Erased.
0: Oh, that's right. I think is Lucas Hedges in that too.
1: I don't know. I'm not familiar with Lucas Hedges.
0: Oh uh, yeah, did you ever see Manchester by the Sea?
1: I did. Which okay. character was he? he in? He was
0: the kid in Manchester by the Sea.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. He yeah. is. Yeah, he's the main character okay. in uh, in this. Uh, I heard uh, Joel Edgerton was being interviewed on NPR, mm-hmm. uh, and I heard him on the radio talking about it. Um, sounds really good. It's about a. It's a true story about a kid who goes through uh, conversion therapy when mm-hmm. he comes out as gay. Um, it's it sounds really incredible. I, I was really um, impressed with. Joel Edgerton's motivations for making the movie and the way he talked about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It made me, made me want to see it. Um, another case of, uh, I guess, Hearing an interview and being inspired to see a film by an interview, oh yeah, like a like, uh, uh, Shape of Water. Shape of Water, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so NPR, they they're good at interviewing people.
0: <laughs> I've I've heard really good. I don't really listen to NPR yeah. that much. I've been <laughs> I've been <laughs> I've been listening to just stupid improv, not stupid, but really silly improv podcasts. Like, yeah. the, uh, what is it? Oh my god! Why can't I think of Off Book? okay um with the uh, it's it's an impro improvised musical podcast mm-hmm. really funny but anyway um oh yeah i was checking to see if boy erased was out yet but um i get it confused the title of it confused with beautiful boy
1: right which i'm also looking forward
0: to me too another it's, true story yeah it's it's out now it's got uh steve carell and timothy chalamet from uh right. call me by your name right um very interesting man steve carell I am so excited for him. Mm-hmm. Um because like he's got Beautiful Boy. And then have you seen the trailer for um uh, or
1: Yes. Yeah, what is trailer? That looks like it? such it, a fun quirky movie. It like does. A, like a um yeah. Uh quirkily emotional, I yes. guess, film. Welcome to Marwin. Welcome to Marwin. Okay.
0: And just like it looks like such an interesting such an interesting like Idea, totally, yeah, um, like
1: um, to- total, totally, um, what am I trying to think of? Like a, like a one of one of a, a very one of a kind movie. Absolutely, what it looks like. Um, I just and I just love Steve Carell's career. Um, Me too. Because I loved him when he was doing. I, I love him when he's doing comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just he's transitioned so well, or he has the ability to, tra- to transition back and forth between. Comedy and drama and do so mm-hmm. do so so effectively um totally I recently watched him in a movie called Last Flag Flying I think I was just about to say were you gonna ask me about that
0: yeah uh I was gonna do the transition that's uh, I was gonna be like dang okay well you know speaking of which (laughs) I saw that you saw Last Flag Flying yes with him and Brian Cranston and is it Lawrence Fishburne yes Lawrence Fishburne yes um I've been very oh yeah that's it's directed by Richard Linklater yes it is um I've been very interested to see it I just haven't gotten around to it it's on Amazon Prime instant yep um um how, how, how go ahead how was it <laughs>
1: um it was a a really it was really good um mm-hmm. i enjoyed it quite a bit i'm i, I respect the hell out of richard linklater mm-hmm. um he's let's see i'm trying to think of here i think yeah i gave it 4 stars mm-hmm. i could not remember what i gave it but i knew it was a good rating um but uh i really appreciate richard linklater's filmmaking techniques and his Mm -hmm. just he he tells really it's really simple stories that um that have large implications i think Mm -hmm. like his characters are not are not necessarily uh these really giant larger than life people it's usually very simple down-to-earth people and they're dealing with kind of I don't want to say extremes of life, but they're like kind of going through, they're always going through something. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's fascinating how he can take such, such, I don't want to say run of the mill characters, but just relatable characters, I guess, and have them go through these things that we all go through. But it feels like such a, such a, um, a stark film or like such a, such an incredible moment in a person's life. I don't know. It's, I don't know if I'm really, Quantifying it well. I just, I just appreciate the way he handles his films. It, it feels like sure. they should be these very straightforward, simple things, but you always go on this really incredible journey. And it's, that's why I like Linklater. But, uh, this is another example of it. The, the film is about, um, a guy who's a Vietnam veteran and, uh, played by Steve Carell and his son who's in the, uh, army dies and he has to go pick up his son's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes and finds his two friends from Vietnam and asks them to go with him. And he, it comes out that he was like dishonorably discharged and they kind of mm-hmm. did something stupid and he kind of took the fall for it. And like he did some time in a brig and stuff like that. Um, but it's, um, the, the movie is, is just so, so fascinating because, Steve Carell is this very internalized, quiet, calm guy. And then you have Brian Cranston who is just. This off the wall, wild card, nice. goofy, do anything, never shuts up kind of guy. <laughs> and then Lawrence Fish- Fishburn, who is just completely broken away from, became a preacher and stuff like that and completely wow. broken away from any kind of wild lifestyle like these guys used to have when they were in the, in the Marines. Um, so just the juxtaposition of these three three starkly different characters mm-hmm. just that in and of itself is really fun um and and really enjoyable Brian Cranston is so much fun in this movie I mean nice. he just everyone everyone who's ever been in school or been in a big social situation like in, in the military or been in school or something you know a guy like this the crazy wild card kind of guy totally um, and he he plays it to a T and he nice. perfect actor perfectly cast actor for this mm-hmm. role um, so just just the the chemistry between the three char- three main characters is really impressive um, and uh, the movie is is really good at giving you this incredibly giving you an incredibly deep moment or a very, um, I keep coming back to the word stark cause it's all very, mm-hmm. it's all, all of the dramatic moments are very abrupt. They just, they just kind of happen, which is realistic. You know, that's, right. that's how, that's how drama happens in your life. But, uh, so it's these these very you know you're you're just glued to the screen you're like oh man this is just I feel so bad for this guy, and then they'll just throw in this moment of comedy, mm-hmm. and because of the setting, it makes it even funnier. Um, it typically, <laughs> it's Brian Cranston being a dick. Um, Again, I don't remember the character's name, but uh, anyways, it's just just the the quick journey that all these guys go on, and, and you know it's it's kind of about nostalgia and. Uh, Kind of peaking early, if you will, because mm-hmm. I think all three of them kind of missed their time in the military. But you know they're they're too old to go back. They can't right. be in the military anymore. And um, you know Brian Cranston is very lost. He owns a bar, but he's very uh, distraught and like he's not he's not financially well off. And mm-hmm. Steve Carell is. He lost his, uh, we find out he lost his wife as well. So he's kind of all alone now. Um, and I feel like Lawrence Fisherman's character kind of yearns for that different time, even though he's, he keeps touting being a, you know, a a man of God and being a a straight, a straight, you know, walking the straight path and stuff like that. I think he yearns for a time where he was a much wilder young man. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's just incredible the depth they achieve with the characters in the, in the short amount of time that you're following them on this trip. Um, and, and there's, there's some fish out of water moments and, uh, some kind of defiance of authority that's just really, really fun. It's, it's just a really, really well made film. Um, and I love the, the performances. Uh, just a great combination of, of things coming together in a great movie. Nice. So I, I definitely recommend it.
0: Sweet. And that's last like flying. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Yep. Cool. Um let's see. Do you want to do one more each? One like more kind each of lightning thing. round. Yeah, sure. Yeah, since we're getting a little long.
1: Yeah. Um so but, looking at your list, um, I'm very curious
0: about bad times at the El Royale. Oh. Uh, uh, well, Tiny, <laughs> if you go to obsessiveviewer.com slash OV two fifty six You'll hear me and Fecus review it. Okay. Um but don't do that yet, because that episode has not posted yet. Oh shit,
1: okay, I can see that. A okay, way. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um let's see.
0: But Just... I will say it was pretty fun, I guess. Was it okay? Yeah. Uh let's see what else.
1: Should I ask you about the oath?
0: Uh go to obsessive.com two fifty six and listen to the popourese section. Um the old man and the gun. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's. I mean, that's pretty much the only one that we can. Okay. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um.
1: I can. Ask okay. You that, yeah.
0: So. I was gonna say, or. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm looking at your list, and there's a movie I don't think I've even heard of. Uh, the mm-hmm. old man and the gun came out 2018. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know anything about this.
0: Sure. So, yeah. Uh, y- Obsessiveviewer.com. So it was on my potpourri with that Fekas episode. Do Dang. you just want to end the episode with us each talking about Halloween? <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, okay. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's round us out. We have, uh, instead of doing like, um, I guess we can call this our feature review. Yeah. Uh, this was not planned. Um, let's talk about Halloween, Tiny, to yeah. kind of round us out. Let's. Yeah. So you and I actually, Tiny... I can actually look this up real quick. Um, we saw this movie together. Yes. And, uh, that I was just going to say, like, yeah, and we don't get to see movies together that much, but we also saw the Samuel project <laughs> together, <laughs> right. like two weeks earlier. So, um, yeah, so e- Halloween is the new iteration or the new take on. Uh, the, uh, iconic Halloween franchise directed by David Gordon Green. It's, uh, Lori Strode comes to her final confrontation with Michael Myers, the masked figure who has haunted her since she narrowly escaped his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. Um, four decades ago, go. Uh, tiny, but <laughs> how did you feel about Halloween? Uh,
1: I ended up liking it a lot. Nice. Um, I don't even remember what rating I gave it, but, uh, let's see what I gave. Hang on. Sorry. Very oh, fun. I gave it three and a half stars. Okay. Yeah. Three and a half stars. Um, I, I ended up liking it. I, I really just kind of appreciated the fact that they basically just skipped over all the damn sequels and right. e- including Halloween two from mm-hmm. 1980 or whatever. Uh, yeah. Um, I was, I, I thought that was just a really interesting choice and kind of, it, it really just refreshed the franchise, I guess mm-hmm. it was a refreshing take on the franchise. um, it wasn't a remake or anything. It was like a direct sequel to the original. Um, so I, I, it was just a good choice, and I think it ultimately worked really well. Um, and and just seeing Lori Strode again. Um, this is the first time I think that I've ever seen uh, Jamie Lee Curtis like so. I don't want to say rough, but she's so like. She, she's just like rough around the edges and she's, mm-hmm. she's very, she looks like a woman who's been obsessed about one thing for 40 years. Mm, yeah. And, and they, they really nailed that look. Um, cause she, she's aged incredibly well. She's mm-hmm. really beautiful woman. Um, and, and it's just, they, they really made her look like kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, kind of crazy in this movie. And, and she, as her character should be, um, you know, dealing with this just life altering event at the, as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it, it was just a great choice for the film. And I think it worked on a lot of levels mm-hmm. and, and had a really satisfying conclusion. Um, and it, it feels, it feels final. It feels conclusive. Um, and, uh, I, I liked a lot of the, I think it was pretty, pretty true to the franchise. Uh, it gave us a lot of stalking and some, some gore and some cool, Mm -hmm. like fun kills and stuff like that. You know, that stuff matters in in this kind of franchise. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed the movie a lot for, for all those reasons.
0: Nice. And, uh, you know, I can't dispute. Really anything you said, cause it's your opinion. Yeah. But, um, also, like, I, I liked it too, but I think I liked it a little less than you. Like, the farther okay. I got away from it, the more I kind of just didn't pick it apart per se, but kind of found, found like, I didn't like certain aspects of it as much as I would hope to. Okay. Um, particularly, like, there are several, um, kills that are, while, while they are very uh, effective in terms of just how they're displayed and everything, mm-hmm. the victims are kind of random to me. Like I, like we get like the first couple are like, people that just we don't know like we just as an audience we don't know the characters which is fine mm-hmm. but it's also like when we do know the characters it's like we know just nothing about them yeah um and it's kind of just not that that kind of tension wasn't there for me uh as far as like knowing the characters that he's that he's offing mm-hmm. another thing about that is like while i do think that there are several like really effectively gruesome and cool in cleverly designed kills, I do feel like the movie kind of feels a little bit hampered by the Blumhouse, uh, kind of, um, machine, I guess, or the Blumhouse mm. model. Okay. Where they film a movie that they have a, they have a strict, like, five or ten million dollar budget, and they can't go over it or anything. Um, the, so there are, like, a few, maybe two or, two or maybe even three, like, death scenes that occur completely off screen and in some cases they're effective um it's it's an effective kind of way of utilizing the tension of the scene um but like in other times it's like we see the aftermath of it and it's like okay that would have been cool to see (laughs) right like it's kind of just like they cut around it and i'm just like i I kind of it's it's a slasher movie i kind of i kind of want that yeah demented kind of way
1: not to give you friction on that but i feel like i feel like the reason they did that on some of them Mm -hmm. on some of those kills is because they were if they would have shown them i feel like they would have been like copycats of kills from the first movie so the way showing having them off screen and showing the aftermath was almost more of like an homage
0: I can definitely get on board with that with one in particular.
1: I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, I'm just saying I I think maybe that's what they were going for. I'm not
0: mad. I'm disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I totally get that. Like, And I do get that impression, especially from one. And one in particular is like it is – I mean it's basically like we see the aftermath of it and it is – it is 100% like a, an homage to, to a kill from the original, which is fine. And like, I get that it would have been redundant and everything, but there are other, like, I'll, I'll seed there. What's the word I'm looking for? Concede that point. Okay. But there are a couple other ones that it's like, I mean, it's like a long tracking shot and then, you know, someone goes into the other room and then Michael follows and. Okay. Like that. That's true. Yeah. But it's just like some of it just seemed like it was just a little too. Like, they, they weren't as creative enough with it because they didn't have the budget. That's, that's how gotcha. I felt about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah um, sure. and then also I want to mention that there is a subplot involving a character, uh, the doctor character that, um, I didn't care for. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mike is actually going to be posting an editorial about that specific subplot on the website. Um, in the coming days, so one when, whenever that gets posted, I'll put a link in the show notes of this episode. Um, but he is a defender of it. Okay. Uh, how did you feel about that subplot? Without going to spoilers,
1: um, I was okay with it. I was I was taken aback by it. I didn't see it coming at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed a little a little hokey or a little um, a little bit too out of left field. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think ultimately I'm okay with it, especially with the way that it concluded or like wrapped up or whatever um i i was fine with it uh but yeah i, I can see why people might have might have a problem with it i I think it's realist so, sort of realistic though because it was almost like a form of like fetishism yeah in a way the, the the way uh the fact that the doctor had that reaction um and and did what he did it was almost like a form of fetishism i guess that's how i interpreted it anyways and and i think that's possible you know that's it's possible to for a person to study something for so long or to be involved with something for so long that you want to even though it's a form of evil you want to encourage it just to see what happens and right i think that's kind of what it was and i i, I got it uh i understood it or yeah. whatever but it was it was a lot of left field
0: yeah i uh i just I don't know. I felt like it was weird because when, when it happens in the movie and we're, we're dancing around spoilers. So I hope we don't get into too many spoilers, but when it happens, I, like in the moment, I was like, you know what? This is kind of cool. Like this, it's a departure from what we've seen in maybe not necessarily the franchise as a whole, but like as a direct sequel to the original, like this is an interesting departure from the formula of the original. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was really interesting, but it kind of felt like, the movie doesn't really go anywhere with it. Um, I think that's where my kind of contention comes in with it because like, it's an interesting element to throw in, but then it's like, there's no resolution of it. Um, like it doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. Interesting. It kind of, at the end of the day, it kind of feels like it's just a shock moment and without any kind of, I don't know if I'd say even say commentary, but like it with any point really Mm -hmm. to necessitate it. um, one of the other points I want to bring up about is that this movie is very interesting in this era, um, that we're in right now. Cause with, like, the Me Too movement and everything, it's really interesting to see a movie where, like, the central character, the, the heroine of the movie is someone who has been so, um, so, uh, affected by trauma from, like, several years ago. And it's like this, it's kind of an empowering movie in that she's taking control of her, you know, um, her survival. And she's kind of just, she's coming to terms with, with a significant trauma. And what I appreciate about the movie is that this, it could have, it could have just been kind of a token horror movie kind of final girl kind of thing. But what the movie does that I thought was really interesting and, uh, broke some new ground for, uh, for this era, I should say, is that it depicts the, the trickle down effect of the trauma, like how it affects the, her, her daughter and her granddaughter and how that, that family unit is forever just tainted by this, by this trauma that, that Lori Strode uh, underwent. And I think going back and I, I want to go back and watch this movie again, because I want to see, I want to see it as a, like as a commentary on, dealing with trauma and, and empowering yourself in the face of trauma. Uh, but I thought that, that was really interestingly depicted in the movie, especially in like that final sequence.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. uh, can't, you can't, it's hard to go into it without spoiling it, but yeah, right. that, that the ending is very,
0: it's beyond satisfying.
1: I thought it was yeah. great. Personally. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: Same here. Um, oh yeah. And although I do, yeah, I won't, uh, I won't go into that um because it's kind of spoilery but it kind of feels like the the ending itself was a little bit it kind of felt like they redid it like i kind of wish that there was a little bit more lead up to it because there's some certain dialogue that's kind of uh called back to but it's like called back to from a scene like five minutes before <laughs> like yeah. kind of wish it was more seated in the movie yeah um but that's that's minor nitpicks here but halloween was good i uh i enjoyed it and um you know, um, we'll be giving away, I'm positive we'll be giving away like a Blu-ray or two at, October next year. So
1: nice. Yeah. yeah. I gave it a three and a half. I was kind of expecting to give it like a four or four and a half. Mm-hmm. Not that I was let down or anything, but uh, I thought I might like it a little more than I actually did. Same here. Um, yeah. cause like the original, I would give the original probably four and a half, maybe even just go ahead and give it five stars. Yeah. Same the ri- here. original is a work of art.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah. But it's definitely worth seeing. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And I will say, kind of final thoughts on that is that, um, the score I had adored it like john john carpenter and i think his son worked on the school like did an original mm. score for it and it's like it's like a really great uh balance of like original like the original music with kind of a new a new spin on it i guess i don't okay. know much about music.
1: you know but. it didn't jump out at me i don't really, really recall it yeah interesting i need to when i
0: watch it next i
1: need to take note of that
0: yeah Cool. Um, yeah. So I think that'll do it for this episode, Tiny. Yes. Yeah. Uh, once again, if you want a free pro membership to Letterboxd, if you want to be entered into our, like, uh, contest for it, uh, shoot us an email at matt at com or tweet us or post on Facebook, on our Facebook page or the Facebook group, uh, one of your reviews for a movie that you've seen on Letterboxd and you'll be entered into a contest for it. We will, um, announce the winner uh, we'll, we'll open submissions for the contest until Thanksgiving Day. Or let's go Black Friday. So Friday, November 24th. Eighth? Oh, is it that early? I don't know. 23rd. 23rd, okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you have until uh, November 23rd to get your submissions in and the, uh, the winner that we pick, will get a free letterbox pro membership. That is a year subscription to letterbox pro that gets you stats for all the movies you logged in your diary and gets you, uh, really just interesting statistics about your movie watching habits. Um, just in time for, you know, the end of the year, uh, cause we will be using, utilizing letterbox to create our, uh, and like movies, like, uh, movies watched 2018 lists and everything so uh yeah so get those into us by the 23rd of november by the time this episode drops it'll be probably a week and a half before so yeah um having said that uh anything else no all right well thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time thanks guys Um, also before we get into the actual letterbox potpourri, two more things. Mm -hmm. One is I just want to call attention to some work I've been doing on the website. Um, Mm, yeah, I have been reorganizing the website a little bit. Um, we haven't like at ObsessiveViewer.com, If you go there, um, you'll find the, like the archives for the podcast and everything and links to all of the stuff we do. And as well as like the donate page and everything, but I recently discovered that I can customize some things on it. So now I've kind of made the kind of links at the top of the website a little more robust. So like now if you go, it's still a work in progress, but if you basically go to obsessiveviewer.com and hover over the Obsessive Viewer podcast link, um, it'll have a dropdown that has like links to specific categories of episodes or so like topic episodes, uh, potpourri um, TV episodes, uh, guest episodes. Um, I'm excited cause I actually differentiated the guest episodes. So I have like guest episodes, which are just like people that we have as recurring guests or sometimes one time guests. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, we've had a lot of people guest on this podcast. <laughs> um, nice. yeah. And then I also have interview episodes. So that includes like, like interviews with people that have been on the podcast as like interview subjects. um, Thinking like Kate Chaplin and Allison Burnett and uh, John Dugan okay. back in the day. So, um, but I also have another one that's for recurring. How did I phrase it? Recurring co-hosts. Yes. Yeah, because I wanted to make because like we refer to like Feckus as frequent frequent guest Robert Feckus, and we refer to Mike as our part time part time co-host or co-host who's on sabbatical from the podcast and then Kirsten has been appearing more and more on the podcast and helped with the hard coverage. so I, I basically have those three people Fecus, Mike and Kirsten on their separate section that says recurring co hosts so nice yeah so there's that and then uh, also you'll notice that there's a uh, columns for us so I haven't gotten yours posted yet okay uh, but I will but um, basically, it has right now as I'm recording. It says Mike White's columns, and the reason that it says that is because uh, Mike is hopefully going to be contributing actual written material for the website uh, here uh, soon. So hopefully, I'm I'm excited for that because it's been a while since ObsessiveViewer.com has been a blog. <laughs> so yeah, it has been a while. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, so anyway, uh, go check out obsessive and check out the, you know, menus and stuff. Um, I've also been upgrading the URLs for all the podcast episodes. Um, so if you go to the archive and click on the first like 50 as of like right now, like it'll be dead links cause I haven't updated those links there, but eventually it's going to be that if you want to find an episode of the podcast directly to its blog post, all you will have to do is go to obsessiveviewer.com slash OV and then the number of the episode. So um, it's been like that for a while. Um, for like since like the 100th episode, I think is when I started doing that like in real time. But those, those first 100 episodes don't have that. So I'm working on that backlog. Anyway, uh, I'm excited because, you know, yeah, it's fun. But uh, here in a couple months, I think I'm going to actually like redesign the website. So it's actually going to look a lot sleeker. So cool! I'm excited for that so yeah. nice yep and uh tiny i keep making this joke <laughs> and i feel like it's probably annoying to waiting for point. people to laugh at it no well yeah um <laughs> <laughs> but like i keep asking you like uh, is is it is it okay that like 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 feckes and, and kirsten are like recurring co-hosts <laughs> yeah are, are, are you is is it okay
1: <laughs> i mean that's the best way to describe them
0: <laughs> yeah exactly i just wanted you to be on record so that when we have a yes. very public falling out right um yeah fake news jk <laughs> um <laughs> i don't know what i'd do without you <laughs> um <laughs> uh, probably start more podcasts <laughs> yeah uh not really no anyway uh so yeah so that's what's going on in the obsessive viewer and then i had another thing that i can't remember now.
3: thank you for listening to the obsessive viewer presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can also buy other great Tea Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode, and at obsessiveviewer.com/donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is "An Eclipse of Events," and is provided by Loudlike from their EP "Mistakes We Must Make." You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes, and like their Facebook page at facebook.com/loudlikemusic any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged we love to hear from you guys you can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessive at obsessive tiny and at i am mike white you can also like us on facebook and join the facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.